This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Pre-recorded from Joe's mom's basement, welcome to a Wednesday Rewind episode of The Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey everyone, I'm Griffin the Intern, or as the lovely ladies in my jazzercise class call me, The Fintern. Speaking of financial horror stories, half of the basement lights aren't working and there's a draft coming from somewhere. Don't get me started on the spiderwebs. I'd say it's decoration, but I think the basement is always like this. But on that note, I've got another Halloween-themed episode for you. I had to eat a bowl of candy corn to find the flash drive, but lucky for you, I'm dedicated to my craft. Today I'm bringing you last year's Halloween episode, Five Tales of Financial Horror with CFP Chad Smith. This episode is almost a year old now, so disregard anything you hear about investment info or giveaways. Fintern out. Nothing ears you know, puts. I'm not dead. Yeah. He says he's not dead. Yes, he is. I'm not. He isn't? Well, he will be soon. He's very ill. I'm getting better. No, you're not. You'll be stone dead in a moment. Oh, I can't take him like that. It's against regulations. Live from the place that scares all the other money podcasts, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. everyone, it's Joe's mom's neighbor, Duggan. Hide your wallets and 401k statements, kids, because today we're bringing you frightening money tales. Helping us around this virtual podcast campfire from the Financial Symmetry Podcast, certified financial planner, Chad Smith. Also, a horrifying headline about paying down your mortgage and a blood-curdling tale about mistakes new employees make when starting their new job. Plus, we have letters and a hotline call that'll send chills down your spine. And my trivia that'll make you cover your eyes and beg us to stop. And here they are, two guys that are to podcasting, those people who give away the worst candy on the block, or maybe substitute healthy food. Yuck, what a waste of time. Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-G. Very scary, O-G. There is nothing more scary than... Mom's basement on Halloween. Hey, everybody. I am Joe Saul C. Hi, Average Show Money on Twitter, just so you know which voice is which. And across this rickety, scary cud table, it's the one and only OG. One, ah, ah, ah. With today, you'll be the otherworldly guy. Nice. How about okay. that? Yeah. You know what's also otherworldly? When you go to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money because it magnify money. You will find 450 more smackaroonies in your pocket. 400. Ah, ah, ah. You could tell you have young kids. Do they still have that on TV? No, they still have Sesame Street. But they they still have Sesame Street. Ah, ah, ah. Do they have the count? I don't know. 
You don't know. $450, though. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money where you'll find a better debt product strategy. So whether you're looking at your credit cards, personal loans, and mortgages coming soon over there at Magnify Money, also a checking account savings account. So get your whole financial life less spooky. And talking much, much Whatever less Whatever life you still have left. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Go to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SoFi. That's spelled S-O-F-I. And because at SoFi, those guys will take care of your personal loans and your student loans, especially student loans, OG, because you know they're fantastic. When there's blood on the floor in student loan world, which there is increasingly, unfortunately, you can run away from you the, can execute a better plan. Ah, 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 ah. And stackingbenjamins.com forward slash S-O-F-I. Halloween's never been more fun. We are all hopped up on sugar because we've stolen our kids' candy. Uh, we've got a great episode. Chad Smith from the fairly new Financial Symmetry podcast, uh, certified financial planner. He is rocking it, man. And today he's going to rock our financial tales of terror. Very scary. I am quivering in my boots. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> but before that, we have some extra scary headlines. So let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Here's something scary from entrepreneur.com. Five financial mistakes most employees make when starting a new job. So you're starting up that new place where you work and uh, think you got Wait, it all hold together. On, hold on, just a second. Hold on. Does anybody else see the funniness in this? Entrepreneur Magazine is talking <laughs> about the mistakes you make as an employee. Yeah. Beep, I, think, beep. I think number one might be you're an employee. And you're reading, an entrepreneur. you're reading Entrepreneur. I wonder what okay. boss man thinks when he comes by and he sees that you've got entrepreneur.com open in your cubicle. Yeah. Just food for thought. Carry on. Yes. John Rampton wrote this, says, it's easy to get excited about the opportunities to come with a new job. Jet job comes with a paycheck and sometimes even much bigger one than maybe you had before. Here are five common financial mistakes that include a few errors I once made myself, he said, but now I know better. Number one, immediately making a big purchase. I love that is number one. I think back in the day when I worked for other people, every single time I got a new job, I went and bought something fairly significant with the first paycheck. I can't remember ever doing that. I don't know that I've ever worked for anybody other than myself my entire life. So, Oh, come on. You didn't have the bad high school job? I was a waiter, but I worked for tips. And tips were hard to come by for you, weren't they? I'm glad that it literally took you like 40 seconds to just <laughs> stare into my eyes and just finally come up with something, but okay. I, I, I knew there was a joke there. I just couldn't find it. Yeah, couldn't figure it out. You got it. No, it's good. No. And they were hard to come by. Yeah. Right? So, I, so, I, so I also do the dishes. Exhausted. Exhausted. Thanks, folks. I'm here all week. Tip your weight, Steph. Or don't if it's OG. 
Number two, turning to credit. While it would seem that people would turn to credit when they don't have enough money, most common behavior is to go get more credit when starting a new job or getting a raise. And it's funny because I think it's the addiction to the higher paycheck, right? Like you immediately, you make more money. So you think about the bigger lifestyle you can have. This is the kind of stuff that Robert Kiyosaki, rich dad, poor dad warns against, right? You make more money immediately. You want a bigger wheel for that hamster. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. House. Number three, not saving for retirement or emergencies. How often have you met those people where they come into your office as a financial planner and they're making great money? They can't afford to save because their lifestyle is way too high. Isn't that ridiculous? And if you get caught in that trap, the best thing you can do is on the next pay raise, save it. Just keep your lifestyle the same for one pay raise or bonus cycle and you'll get back on track. Not assessing any additional tax burden is number four. I remember doing the math on bigger paychecks thinking, oh, that's an extra 250 bucks. And then mm. it isn't. Not quite. Because the more the money IRS you make. bleeds you dry. Oh, 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 oh. There's a different issue there, which is how many times have you met people that don't understand the way that tax brackets work? And I've had people walk into my office and say, one of the couple will stay home. I'm thinking of one specific couple where they were in front of me and she said, I was working, but then after we did the math at the higher tax bracket, uh, we don't make as much money. I said, I have good news or bad news for you, whichever way you want to look at it. The good news you're is, an idiot. <laughs> the, well, you're not an idiot because a lot of people don't understand how tax brackets work. And it's the next dollar, right? So when you earn the next X amount of money, it's at the 10% bracket. And then you go up from there where only the next dollar gets taxed at a higher rate. So you do all the math, do all the math you want. You don't actually make less money. And I said, well, there's good news. She said, what? And I said, you get to go back to work. And (laughs) I don't think she thought that was good news. This particular person, I didn't think that. But I had that happen quite a few times where people told me, yeah, we did the math and because the tax bracket's higher, we make more money with so-and-so staying at home, whoever that might be. And then number five, not revising your personal budget. Now, why do you have to revise your personal budget? Should your budget not be exactly the same? Yeah. If just because you made more, had more inflows this month doesn't mean your budget needs to change, does it? No, that's the only one on this list that I'm not sure that I agree with. Uh, he said... Every time your income changes, you need to revise your personal budget, or if you still haven't made what some consider a death threat, this is the time to get your budget put together. I don't understand that joke. I don't either. It's one of the biggest financial mistakes all of us make, regardless of whether we got a new job or a raise. We don't realize every new cost or income stream dictates to revise budget to stay on target and properly manage our finances. I guess by that, if you're changing the flows of where your savings is going, OG, Maybe that's a better idea. You know what I mean? Don't necessarily have all of your savings go into X thing. Now, if what John's saying is that your paycheck's going to be bigger and you're not budgeting the extra money that's coming in by saving more of it, well, then I, I guess I do agree. It's good to review your budget every year anyway, whether or not you get a pay raise or a big bonus. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of times the budget you're not using anymore. You're not using it the way you originally designed it. Good stuff. I'll link to that in the show notes at stackybenjamins.com. But we're off to our second article today, which comes to us from USA Today. This comes to us from Deborah Kearns. Deborah says, four reasons paying off your mortgage faster isn't always the best move. 
This is going to be a controversial one and nothing better than controversy to go along with. Got to have some blood on the floor here on Halloween, don't we? Got to have some very scary. Some people having a, having a mortgage is a scary thing. But here's the opening of the piece. You've likely heard about the debt-free philosophy espoused by financial gurus such as Dave Ramsey. The idea of gaining financial freedom by paying off all your debts as quickly as possible, even a mortgage with a low fixed rate, may be appealing, but it's not always a wise strategy, some financial experts say. I'll disagree with that. I think paying off debt is always a wise strategy. I just don't think it's often the optimal strategy. Ooh, look at you using language to be semantical. Yeah. Well, and it's an important... Just made that word up. I don't know if that's true. I think it's semanticus. Semanticorum? We reach a semanticorum. Oh, obviously. When we agree that the semantics are right that we're using, that's a semanticorum. (laughs) Right? I love it. I love it. All right. Somebody got the Latin joke in there, too. Yeah. Somebody who took Latin in high school. Bam. That's me. Number one, you'll lose monthly cash flow. The concept of borrowers wanting to own their home sooner is mind-boggling to financial planner Rick Edelman. Rick's, by the way, going to be on the show here in the the next couple weeks. The best financial planning advice I give to people is to carry a 30-year fixed-rate loan. Nobody should be in a hurry to pay it off or to refinance to a 10- or 15-year loan, Edelman says. You lose liquidity when you take a dollar and give it over to your lender to pay off a mortgage loan. You'll never see that money again. Over the short term, you lose liquidity. Over the long term, you get a little cash flow, maybe. You'll you pay it off. You don't. You get your payment. But here's the issue I have, and I get what Rick's saying there. But I had some clients that, man, did they they so worried about debt that it wasn't about math anymore. It was about them. We talked the last Wednesday about behaviors, mm-hmm. you know, and and I had times when the math worked. I, I get Rick's math, and I've said that before. Take out a thirty year loan make the 15 year payment, you know, do that or make the 30 year payment. And then the rest of your 15 year payment to an S and P 500 mutual fund or total market index fund. And historically over every 30 year period of time, you came out ahead of putting it toward the mortgage. Do that. Uh, I like, I like both of those solutions, but, but I, I had some clients where I said, you know what, you got to pay your mortgage off early. Well, Again, this is the personal part of personal financial planning. Everybody's going to be a little bit different. As an advisor, you got to be aware of idiosyncrasies between clients. Just because the math says one thing, you got to be aware of their behavior. Some people can't be trusted with that extra $500 a month coming out of their cash flow. That needs to go into their mortgage. Some people uh, would feel better, sleep better at night, even if it costs them hundred dollars or $150,000 in long-term capital appreciation. They're gonna, that, that's worth it in a sleep you know, yeah, sleep quotient. Absolutely. Number two on this list, you might be in a bind during an emergency. It says, let's say you lose your job or home values in your area take a nosedive the way they did during the Great Recession. If you don't have an emergency fund or at least three to six months worth of living expenses, including your mortgage payments, and your money's tied up in a short-term home loan, you'll be struggling. That's hard to refinance your house from a 15 to a 30 if you don't have income. You got no job. You walk into your bank. Hey, I have no job. I have no income and I really need to refinance this house. Or like it said there, the house price took a nosedive and you can't refinance it because the house doesn't have enough equity to refinance or refinance the loan. Here's the problem I have. Let's say that you have every dollar of your house paid off except the last 20 bucks OG. 
mm-hmm. and you default on the payments and you can't make any more, how much of your house, do you lose that last 20 bucks of your house? You lose the whole house. Until that house is completely paid off, money that you put into your home loan is gone. It's gone until your house is completely paid off. And then it's a huge win. I mean, I love where Steve Stewart is sitting. I mean, Steve and his spouse, they paid off their home early. They have no mortgage. He's sitting in a great spot. Now that it's completely paid off, OG, sitting in a great spot. But until he got through that last payment, it can be precarious if you don't have emergency money set aside. Which Steve did, by the way. Yeah. Number three, you might not be able to save enough for retirement or other financial goals. Oh, this is a big one. Don't get me started on this one. Our number one, you know, I'd sit down with somebody back in the day when I was a financial planner. So, uh, where have you saved for retirement? Well, we, uh, we got the equity in our house. So, this place that you had lots of dreams, you raised a family, you have all of these memories. It might be like my house. As you know, OG, my favorite spot, my favorite place on earth is my house. Not this basement, my own house. (laughs) Let's be clear here. Sometimes I'm not happy with the basement, but my own house, love being there. I just love it. It's just my place. And I can't imagine having a plan where some, right now it's an arbitrary age, right? At some arbitrary age, Cheryl and I just sell it. You'd be surprised at how many people have that plan. It makes me angry. Okay. And your house only grows at what housing values go up at, right? So we talked about that. REITs do well because of the fact that you have not just the value of the property going up, but you also have the rental income coming in. Yeah, the cash flows going up as yeah. well. And that's why that's why things like the NARI index do similar over long periods of time to the S&P 500. It's the combination of those. But if you're only saving into your house, you're not getting the rent coming in. You're, mm-hmm. you're just getting the property value going up. So you're really losing out on, on making your money grow. We've talked about it a number of times on the show. Like you said, take the 30-year, pay the 15-year payment if you want for the flexibility, or pay the 30-year payment, but then the extra amount, you know, invest for the long term. Yeah. Give you some flexibility. Well, it's about flexibility, right? It is. Because because 15 years into it, traditionally, under most 15-year circumstances, right, over that 15-year period, you're going to end up with this being in the same spot. You can write a check if you want to pay off your house. I had this happen. I mean, I was an advisor during the go-go late 90s, right, where the stock market was going up at 40, 50, 60%, 70, depending on what you were in. A lot of people were tech heavy, so they were going up and up and up. And I had people that accumulated enough money over a fairly short period of time using that strategy to pay off the mortgage. So they had this, they were making the 30-year payment, they were taking the excess, they were putting that money aside and putting it into a fund. And we made it aggressive because we thought we had 15 years and we were flying high, making good money. And then all of a sudden with some people, we had enough money sitting there and we'd have a meeting and I'd say, Mr. And Mrs. Client. Yeah, you want to zero the account out? We can now pay off your mortgage. Guess how many people ever did that? Zero. Because the ability to be able to do it was the important thing. Right. And they're like, but I'm making more money over here. Why would I do that? Oh, oh, yes. Some people did, by the way, I did have two couples that turned off the mortgage payment and they had that fund start making the mortgage payment for them instead. Okay. I can see that. That that times out real nicely if you're thinking about college savings. Yeah. You go, hey, I'm going to get to this 15 year point. 
that's when my college costs kick in. Oh, look, they're about the same monthly payment as what my my uh, mortgage, mortgage payment is right now. Now I've got not I've got some fun that's going to pay off the rest of my mortgage over the next fifteen years, or or maybe the next four years to kind of carry the four years that I've got this college tuition cash flow. Hmm, a lot of different flexibility things. Yeah, cool stuff there. Creative financial planning like we were talking about last week. Number four is you lose tax benefits. I never, ever, I know me too. (laughs) Don't use this one. Don't do a thing for tax benefits. If you- Tax benefits are benefit. They're like, it's an extra thing. Yes. It's like, oh, by the way, you get this extra thing. Oh, really? I get candy with that? Cool. That is fantastic. I'll take the candy. Can I have a cup of ice cream? Sure. Would you like a little fudge on that? Yes. That's the tax benefits. Dear Joe, I don't save into my 401k because they don't have a match. The match is the same thing, by the way. Yeah. Okay, cool. So when you get to retirement, you don't have enough money, um, just call your company and yell at them. Yeah. They'll be really Uh, See, now we're being mean. Now we're just being mean, which on Halloween, maybe we can be a little mean. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're the bad guys in the movie, right? Uh, So I think our big lessons are don't do things for tax benefits, but- paying off your mortgage, maybe there's some strategies there you haven't thought of. But the bigger thing, if you, this is the this is the biggest aha you should have from our headlines. If you're an employee, why are you at entrepreneur.com? Chad Smith is a certified financial planner in the Raleigh-Durham area. He helps clients build wealth so they can spend more time enjoying it. He's an active member of NAPFA. You want to tell us what NAPFA is, OG? National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. His writing's been featured in several national publications, including Money Magazine, Yahoo Finance, and NerdWallet. Been quoted and appeared on WSJ.com, Bloomberg.com, Businessweek.com, MSN.com, Financial Planning Magazine, Triangle Business Journal, and Investment News. He grew up in a small Western North Carolina town, and after falling in love with NC State, made his permanent home in Raleigh, North Carolina. Chad is the co-host of the Financial Symmetry Podcast, which you can find wherever you listen to podcasts. So let's say hello to the one and only Mr. Chad Smith coming down to the basement. Certified financial planner Chad Smith from Financial Symmetry joins me in the basement. Glad you could make it, man. Great to be here, Joe. I've listened to the show for a while, so uh, this is an honor to be in the basement. Yeah, to be at this rickety table. (laughs) I just hope you got the dehumidifier under control. Well, you see how we just turned it off. You know what makes me mad about the dehumidifier? There's that little spot in the back where you can actually have a hose run out, but mom mm-hmm. never does that. Has the hose run out? <laughs> I always got to empty the thing. That's that's right. That's probably that was my that was my chore growing up. It was it was never a fun chore. So, but it's good you got it under control down here. Did you get paid well for that chore? Unfortunately, no. I think it was like maybe a dollar a month at that point in time. <laughs> believe it, it's not a good allowance, right? But well, I don't know. Think about with you guys what you could do with that money now that you're a financial planner. That's true. Take that, that and turn it into two dollars. That's right. right. Thanks for being here for the special Halloween episode of the show. This is very scary. Uh Oh, spooky. You've got some horror stories for us because you've been in the trench for quite a while as the financial planner, right? 
Yeah, about 16 years, believe yeah. it or not. I've got the gray hair occurring now. The kids are doing that, but some of, you know, sometimes the job. <laughs> That's how long it took me to decide I had to get out. Exactly yeah. 16 years. So are you about done? Or are you just no, no, I'm just getting started. I love this stuff. All these tales of terror we're going to talk through today, helping people through that. It's fun. Yeah, it is. It is fun. I like talking about it. I'll let you work with people. So <laughs> let's do this. What have you got for us? What's our first tale of terror for this scary episode? So I've related this back to movies. I know how much you love movies. Yes. Right? So we're trying to have a movie theme on all of these. So the first one is... The Hocus Pocus of Roth Conversions. Oh, the horror. I have this story, you know, working with a client and they basically come to me and say, I need more tax-free money, right? I've been reading in the news about Roth IRAs and tax-free accounts. And I also could make a Roth 401k conversion. So I want to get your take on it, right? Unfortunately, they had already they had already done some of this in the past. So they were in a high tax bracket and they didn't realize it at the time. And I, we encounter this a lot, right? You, you get these bonuses that you sometimes forget about. You might not total all of your income. It might be um, employee stock, restricted stock, or different types of options. And you have these income items, but you have to understand where your tax bracket is now versus where it may be later, right? So it's very possible you're paying a lot more in taxes now. And that's what we went through. The conversation with this client is, hey, you know, you got to do the calculations to understand what the tax implications will be now versus later. I thought you were going to talk about taking the money out at the end of the year because they earned too much money that they didn't know because you see that too. But this is far worse. I get what you're getting yes. at, which is everybody, the, the Roth IRA is so sexy mm -hmm. that we forget that a deduction today when we're in a higher tax bracket might be a way better option. Yeah, you know that phrase, I know just enough to be dangerous. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we hear that a lot from people when they come in, but at the same time, they, they take bits and pieces of this information and say, that sounds like a good idea, but yeah, you're right. It can be tragic. It's a real tale of, of terror in terms of the tax implications that they may owe because, you know, in 2010, they lifted the income limit for where anyone could start converting monies from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. It can be a complex issue, though. Even CPAs, you know, sometimes will make errors in the tax calculation. So it's important to understand what you're dealing with in this tale of terror. Well, I like what you talk about, about the hocus pocus part of that, because Roth IRAs become this really sexy term, Chad. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. And the hocus pocus was related back to a movie right, in 1993, right? I didn't see that one. Yeah, that, well, I catch bits and pieces because I have a two-year-old and a five-year-old. So. <laughs> Uh, we watch those Disney movies all the time, but That's, it's complex and there's many layers and intricacies of these things and you got to make sure you do them right. There's different paperwork involved and things. So it's important to just run it by someone at the very least, someone that's knowledgeable in this area. Well, and there's two parts to this, right? There's the math of right. here's where tax brackets are today. Here's where you think your tax bracket is going to be later on when you take the money out. But also you guys know, you don't know where tax brackets are going to be in the future. So if you're doing this at 40, well, what do you do if somebody's in a high tax bracket at 40? Uh, well, let, let's not even say that. Let's say they're in a medium tax bracket where it's more murky and they're looking mm -hmm. at the tax bracket later and they're like, Chad, I, you know, I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, in that situation, you'd rather have the pre-tax deduction, okay. and, but, but it's really specific to the scenario. So it takes annual tax planning to understand the best moves for you. And, and there is uncertainty, of course. So you could do a hybrid model too and do, do some conversions and then wait on others. That's why we have to sit down with every client. Yeah. And, and go through it specifically. You're talking you know. about do do a little bit of both uh, so that you give yourself flexibility. Is that what you mean by a hybrid? 
We love flexibility. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because you never word. know. I mean, what's amazing for me, my 16 years in the trenches that you've seen over and over is how often people's plans change, right? That is right. Uh, pe- yes. People There's are un- set in stone. They know exactly what they're going to do until yeah. it changes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and we'll talk about that in some of these other tales of terror. Yeah. Let's do another one. That one, that one was bad, but I think you got worse. <laughs> I got a couple of worse ones. So I love movies from the 90s. I grew up kind of in the 90s. So this one was actually maybe in the 80s, but the second one is Avoid the Beetlejuice Encounter. Oh, man. What was that? Was a goofy movie. What's what's this all about? You remember Michael Keaton, right? Yeah, Michael Keaton. He did a great job. Basically, it's the estate planning side, right? So you want to have things in order before you get to that point and and where you're hoping for that handbook for the recently deceased. You remember that in Beetlejuice that that the couple got and then, and then Beetlejuice comes along. So before the Grim Reaper comes, you want to get that in order because we've had situations. I had, I had a client we were working with. Unfortunately, these things happen more commonly than you might think. They had primary beneficiaries established on their retirement accounts, right? So that, that supersedes a will. You want to make sure you get that in order. But they didn't have the contingent beneficiary, the second line, so to speak. So a lot of husbands and wives, for example, have each other listed as primary beneficiaries. Makes sense. But what happens if that uncertain occurrence happens? That negative event where you actually pass very close to each other. And it's rare, but it happens. And in this situation, it did. They did not have contingent beneficiaries listed. And that ends up being a huge tax burden for the beneficiary because they have to withdraw say a 401k account much quicker than they originally thought. When you're looking at contingent beneficiaries then, is that often, should that be somebody then younger than you? That would be a good idea. Yeah. And a lot of times people put kids, right? Um, Or their children if they want, but uh, it it really is specific to whatever situation and how you're trying to plan that estate plan. But this is a situation where if you talk with somebody that has been through it routinely, either an estate planning attorney preferably a team, right? A financial planner, an accountant, and an estate um, right. planning attorney. And they can they can help you walk through these scenarios to say, hey, you got things set up the right way. It's funny. If you don't have a contingent beneficiary, what happens then? I guess it's state law that goes and- Well, sometimes the 401k will have a, a plan stipulation that allows you to have a more attractive withdrawal provision. But okay. in this case, it was going to be a five-year withdrawal provision where they had to withdraw the balance over five years versus- being able to withdraw it over their lifetime. And this was a young, a young lady, you know, in their inner thirties. So it would have been a long time and that tax burden would have been a lot lower. Yeah. If they've so, done a great job of saving the beneficiary, I mean, and they don't yes. need that money right now. And now they're getting hammered with all this tax over the next five years where had you had, you know, the deceased person had it set up right. It could have been a yeah. whole, whole much better, much better scenario. Yeah. And it's scary. I mean, because I think a lot of us think, I understand. Those things happen, but that's not going to happen to me. Absolutely right? not. I'm a safe skier. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I run marathons. I'm not going to fall and that's have right. some knee replacements and, and get <laughs> infected. I'm not going to take it there. That's not. That's, Are you talking to me specifically? Terror. I do know stories of that happening too, though, right? So, I mean, there's there's just all these wild things that happen in life, right? So you got to, you got to do your best to prepare and, and uh, not wait for that handbook. Well, that's what I think about going back to, going back to Beetlejuice, that handbook of the recently deceased. I love that approach because yeah. if you're recently deceased, it's too yeah. late for that handbook. It's too late. Yeah. yeah. In this case, you want the best time to start this is yesterday, right? Yeah. Well, or moments before you die. 
Because really, yeah. why why waste time on this, Chad? <laughs> if you know when you're going to die, just do it a few minutes before and you're good. That'd make things a lot easier, wouldn't that, it? That would. I wish I had that power. Uh, that's, yeah. that's fantastic and ugly all rolled together. What do we got next? All right. Number three, Fear of the Walking Dead. I have not. Have you watched The Walking Dead? Oh, binge watching it. I have to. And I know I'd love it. And I still haven't even started because I know once I start down that path, I'm going to kiss my whole family goodbye. (laughs) Well, involve your family, right? You and and Cheryl, right? (laughs) That's absolutely. Down in the basement, just throw it on. Yeah. I was actually very against watching this. My wife started it. She loves uh, that kind. I I don't like horror movies. Yeah, me neither. But but this was different. It, It actually makes you think about that end of the world scenario and how things would go and what becomes valuable in those situations. I have yeah. heard it's more about people than about zombies. It is much more about character development. I know how you like TV and movies. So Absolutely, brother. It. So what's going on here with the Fear of the Walking Dead, financial planning-wise? Financial planning-wise, it's amazing how people react to financial crisis slash recessionary activities. You know, you've talked about this a lot on the show. I know we talk about it in a lot of financial planning circles, but it's it's a real fear that people have of another well, I'll steal this from from a researcher that we follow, uh, Armageddon hypochondria, right? It's the, it's that scare factor of, uh-oh, another financial crisis is right around the corner. So I had a client met with, and they had just been building cash in, in a bank account, right? And you know those bank accounts, they're earning they're doing pretty well. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're doing they're great. They're doing pretty well. Right. So uh, we were talking through this, and, and basically they just admitted, look, I don't know what to do. And I'm scared that I'm going to put it in and the market's going to fall 50% tomorrow. So this is a very real uh, situation we're dealing with in multiple client scenarios, I would say. But, you know, I, I, I always think of that quote that Mark Twain had. And since we're in October, he's, you know, he's like, October is one of the most dangerous months to invest. The others are January, February, March, April, <laughs> May, June, right? So he just goes through the rest of the list. It's in I'm the sure top 12. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, you know, you can't be fearful forever. And if you have time on your side and a long time frame, why not get started today? I mean, the, you know, I was looking at some returns. It's I think the S&P 500 average is up around 18 percent a year since March of 2009. Not that you would have invested all of it right at the bottom, but, you, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. So you might as well get started. The longer you wait for that perfect moment, the more you're just just screwed. Like I, I think about all those people with the Brexit situation this summer that hopped out yeah. and haven't gotten back in. Yeah. And you know, you got to make two decisions when you do that. There was a great money magazine article. I, it was during the recession, I think an article about making the decision to move out of the market. But then the second decision was going to be the hardest when to get back in. Right. right? You, you, might, got, you, you can't just make one decision. You might be right once, but you trust that's yourself right. to be right twice. And that's so, horrible just, because isn't that what, when a lot of people come into your office, Chad, maybe not a lot, but there are some people that I know have to come into your office and they expect that that's what you bring to the table. Absolutely. And sometimes that's the only thing they want, right? right. They just want good returns. Your that, crystal that, ball. Yeah. And, and of course, financial planning is much more than that. We're talking about some of these tales of terror today involved with things on the tax side or on the estate planning side, right? That's why it takes a comprehensive approach. It's not just about the investments. So what makes you not one of the walking dead and not fear Armageddon? Is it just education? Yeah, it's, it, it is education. And, and unfortunately, financial literacy is you know, not up to where we would like it to be in schools and, and, and teaching about this concept. But yeah, it's it's going through past historical situations and then looking at the time frame and understanding, hey, sometimes it's just about having somebody to talk to. You yeah. know? It's a lot easier when you're walking through it and, and somebody can say, hey, this is what we've seen. This is what you might get going forward if you have the time. So 
the trust is needed though. And to trust, you got to be a little educated. What type of downside protection do you use with your clients? Do you use stop losses? Is it diversification and asset allocation? What do you use to protect against Armageddon? Great question. It's a diversified strategy. It's basically based on cash flow. If you if you're coming up on a period where you're going to have a lot of withdrawals, that means you're going to need money sooner out of the portfolio. So you're going to need to take less risk. Okay. Right. So we're trying to set measures and use different, somewhat complicated research data points to make calls on where we are in the market cycle. But overall, it's an asset allocation management system. And, and we move down the risk spectrum as markets are improving and then vice versa. When markets are bad, we're looking to get a little more aggressive. Which right. is funny because people always think about putting money in. People never mm-hmm. think about taking money out. I know you're not done there. Walking Dead, fantastic. Beetlejuice, fantastic. I got to see Hocus Pocus. What do you got for us now? Number four, beware the candy man. I didn't see this one either. Be glad you didn't. It was probably a really bad movie overall, but it was one of the most scariest movies I ever saw in the 90s when I was when I was coming up. Basically, you look into a mirror, you say Candyman five times. He appears behind you and an unfortunate event happens after that. You, you pass on and need that handbook for the recently deceased, <laughs> in other words, in a not so clean way. But I use this one and a little bit of a stretch, but it's basically related to dementia, right? So uh, we've had clients and it's such a sad scenario, senior citizen clients, and it's becoming a more, a bigger issue as baby boomers age. Sweet talkers, right? The candy man <laughs> will get on the phone and they're incredibly smooth, these scammers and, and getting senior citizens to commit to things. And we've had this situation happen before family members were involved or we were involved in helping with cash flow. You know, they'll run the PCH, the Publishers Clearinghouse sweepstakes or, or some other sweepstakes, and they'll get emotionally involved with the client. And before you know it, a $15,000 withdrawal was made. And you, you're asking the client, where did this go? You know, and, and this, they tell you, oh, I had to send that to get this check of this 400 and odd thousand reward that they're going to give me. I mean, that's just one example. There's countless examples of memory issues on the dementia side. So the big lesson just get involved with your parents' finances, right? And and uh, if there's any sign of dementia, because a lot of times you don't know. Right. You know, often though, you know, mom and dad, mom or dad want to stay independent. And when you start prying as a child, they see it as that, Chad. They don't see it as you helping. They see it as you're trying to take over. And they were the ones that changed your diapers and now it's turning <laughs> around and they don't like to see that. How do you, how do you tell your clients to kind of tiptoe into that situation? It's a great point on both sides, right? Because you're, we're talking to the parents a lot oh, of times right, right. in this situation. And then we're also talking to the children. All you can do is ask a question, right? And say, uh, so for the children, a lot of times we'll bring up, hey, I was meeting with my financial planner and they were just curious. They were wanting to make sure that my loved ones had things in order. Just start the conversation with a very easy non-defensive, not trying to take over anything, but you're just bringing up the conversation to try to get it started. On the parent side, of course, you're trying to encourage them to involve others early on so that they are aware of, of how things are, are moving along and, and the, the strategies that they're using. It's a touchy issue, though, and it's different in every family dynamic. So, 
I love working with clients' kids when they're young. Like I remember kids bringing their fiance in for a first meeting before they get married. How cool was that? Yeah, By the way, great. when people bring in their fiance and they're going to start off right, we're talking about whether to combine accounts. And on the other end, working with grandma and grandpa about these type of issues. And yeah. everybody knows it's above board. And because you wonder, well, you know, why do you have secrets around this stuff? That's I, right. I, I mean, I know socially we say no, but, but why? Well, I know in North Carolina, it's old school thinking sometimes. Absolutely. You, know, you have the grandparents there. Oh, well, we don't talk about that. Right, right. In, no. this, in this family. So they they kind of the patriarchs and, and the matriarchs setting the rules. And so sometimes it's important for millennials to, or Gen Xers to come in and, and try to change it a little bit. So is that the scariest movie you've ever seen? That would be the scariest movie I've What's ever seen. What's your favorite yes. horror movie? You know, I don't love horror. Yeah. But I would say... Oh, Saul. Oh my goodness. I can't, I can't, I don't oh. even get started. I mean, I can't watch I that crap, dude. Yeah. The if reason I get the real world yeah. scenario, no, not for me. Well, that's yeah. why my favorite is this really old movie called The Changeling. And, oh, okay. and it's yeah. a movie about a guy whose family's died and he moves into this house and the house is haunted. But yeah. very little happens, Chad, the whole time. <laughs> like he's sitting, he's a composer and he's sitting playing the piano and the camera pans around and you see the door behind him slowly opens on its own. And, mm. and I love the suggestion of horror. Very little that actually happens. There's one kind of gory scene. It's very quick. But besides that, most of it's just a suggestion that crap's about to happen. I'm going to add it to the list. You reminded me of The Shining and then Sixth Sense. I yeah. Think along oh, those lines, Sixth right? Sense. Yeah. Yeah. Those are great movies too. Yeah. Did so you get- I'm going to add that one to the list. Did though. you get where Sixth Sense was going? You know, I, I didn't through the movie. I it didn't actually either. was good for me because I didn't know. No, I had no idea. The man, yeah. when that twist came at the end, I was like, what Love the hell? It. And, and it's yeah. been long enough now that we should let it go, but- <laughs> you know what I mean? We should be able to, because if you haven't seen The Sixth Sense yet, shame on you. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. I think you got one more. The I worst do. of all, the bloodiest tale of terror. Bring it on, Mr. Smith. Number five, never catching the Joneses. I didn't right? see this one either. Oh, man, this is a great financial movie. I mean, from that, any financial person, I think, should see this one. It's a little bit, it's very twisted. I don't even know if I'd classify it as a Halloween movie. It's just a scary real life scenario, you know, David Duchovny and Demi Moore, they're moving into this neighborhood where they are the Joneses and they're wearing things and um, basically advertising these things by just being a part of the neighborhood. Everybody walks up to them. They're like, oh, where'd you get your car? Where'd you get your shirt, your golf clubs? You know, and it gets to the point so bad in the movie. Well, uh, an unfortunate thing happens to a neighbor. So I won't, I won't spoil it for the people that hadn't seen it. I love this as your favorite though, because this is a nerdy financial horror movie. Because <laughs> this is, for me, this is the worst thing, right? People listen to this, oh my goodness, if my neighbor buys a new car and I buy one just because of that, oh, I'm yeah. screwed. Well, the, people never tell you they do it for that reason either, right? right. It's always right. subconscious. Right. It's like, I think, uh, you know, you've had uh, Michael Kitsis on the show. He's great. He's got this term, the lifestyle creep. Right. And it creeps upon you. You don't even realize it's happening. All of a sudden you move into a new neighborhood and we see it all the time new clients. That won't happen to me. And then you move into the bigger house. You start buying all these new things. You get a nicer car because everybody else has a nicer car in the driveway. No, but reading, reading Dr. Uh, Thomas Stanley's work, yep. you know, uh, the millionaire next door, it's funny. I feel bad for people like physicians 
because physicians feel this need in the community to look like they make a certain amount of money, you know? Um, and, and you see that too, when you work with people, if you have X as a title, you need to have, you feel this need. I don't think you really need, but you feel this need that I have to live in a certain neighborhood. I have to drive a certain car. My kids should probably go to the private school and you Mm -hmm. start seeing this, this thing. And I can hear people listening to the show that don't make a ton of money yet. Chad going, oh, that's such a bad problem to have. But really, I man, I knew so many people that had great positions, you know, these wonderful titles, and they had no money. They had no that's money because right. they spent every dime they made. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And we see it with younger people too. They'll get that first job out of school. That's they right. think, oh, you know, I got to decorate my life now with this new title that I have. But it happens at all levels and uh, all decades. But in this particular scenario, dealing with a client, they were in their 50s. And unfortunately, that you know, bought the dream home about double the cost of what they had in retirement savings. So uh, having have that frank, candid conversation about how it's looking. And then unfortunately was laid off in the early oh. 60s. You know, and so it's when those adjustments uh, have to be made. It's a true financial planning tale of terror because nobody wants to be in that situation and nobody believes they will be in that situation. But you you overspend, you grossly undersave, and then you have an unfortunate event occur that you could not have foreseen. It leaves you in bad shape. So the scenario that they're they're making adjustments now. Can you tell us some of the cuts? I don't think telling us the cuts will give away who the client is. What are some of the things no, that they've I, had know, to cut? I mean, restaurants, cutting out all vacations, of course, for now. It's having to sell the house. Yeah, and, and that's what I was thinking. House. The house has yeah. got to go. Driving cars that probably are a little less than what they uh, would like to drive. So I hate to have to share that tale of terror, but it, you know, it, it exists. And, and when you can meet with somebody before that and, and curb that and set up good behaviors beforehand that you guys that I love you and OG do with all of your guests, you know, you're trying to set up people to have that behavior ahead of time. So they don't get in that situation. Well, as you know, Chad, we teach nothing on the show and if people learn from it, that's, <laughs> you know, that's not true. If, if people learn from it, it's their own problem. But, yeah. they, but I like what you're saying. You know, you call it a first world problem, but really people work hard to make a lot of money. I know mm-hmm. my, my clients that made a lot of money back in the day, they worked hard to get to that point and to just waste it because they didn't plan ahead of time. That's the pit in the stomach for me. You yeah. know, is, it's, is it's it sad. You? It's it's hard to swallow. The good news is there is a silver lining, you know, because when you're in your 50s, a lot of times you're in your highest earning income years. So if you know that, you can make some small adjustments now by and really build up those savings in your 50s. And, and you may have a better chance to not have to make that big adjustment in the future. But rather see you early on and get those behaviors in place. I think it's a great place to leave it because you know what that was? That was like the sun comes up the next morning after the horror story and things are going to be okay. That's right. Because the one person got out alive and hopefully (laughs) it's you. (laughs) That's right. There's no water involved, no single lady walking around, just getting out of the shower and looking around the corner. Everything's good now. Well, when I saw you guys launch the Financial Symmetry podcast, I was pretty fired up. I thought that that was awesome. So tell everybody about the podcast and what they can experience if they listen to uh, your own brand of hilarity. Yeah, I appreciate that. So I actually have a co-host too, and we were motivated out of FinCon to do this because it's just another new way to share uh, stories and questions that we get from clients. So we walk through scenarios like this all the time in more detail, of course, because we have a little more time, but it's a nice way. I love podcasts. 
right? So it's a nice way to listen instead of having to read a long blog post on it. <laughs> right. And you can get a lesson out of it a lot of times. And you learn something about me and Mike, my co-host, and because we share about our own lives too. So try to keep it a little a little funny. So how's how's the family dressing up for Halloween? That's a great. <laughs> so I'm going to be Bat Dad. Have you seen Bat Dad on awesome. the internet? No, but it, that's kind of creepy. Just thinking yeah, of you as Bat yeah, Dad. Yeah. Good luck There's with that. Good, I know. I think, <laughs> it's coming along. My wife's working on that costume. <laughs> uh, my daughter uh, is going to be Bat Girl, and then we got a little another daughter is going to be Alina. Then my wife is the, the most proud of her costume. I don't know if I should share it on. I guess I can share it. It's going to be Putin. Putin. Huh? So, yeah, it's going to be. She's got a little. Uh, Tell a me. Little, a little fart machine that she bought on Amazon. <laughs> she's going to walk around with and then have a Russian flag. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> so she'd probably kill it. I hope this is, you know, if you're going to air this at Halloween, then we'll be good. Cause she does not want that getting out. She wants it to be straight humor. Well, you're better Halloween than, occurs. you know, better than that, Chad, the, the great news is nobody listens to the show. So mom and her bridge <laughs> club will know. And that's it. So your secret's safe here, dude. Good. That's fantastic. And if people want to get you? it, how about you? You, you know what's funny is that we've been traveling so much this year. I I got to go as just suburban financial guy uh, because we've we've done nothing. I feel so bad we've done nothing. And Cheryl, this is like her favorite holiday, and she usually oh. makes this big feast. But sadly, our kids are in college; they're not coming home this year, and um, and we we we've done nothing. I feel oh. so bad. But yeah. I here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy just a crap load of Kit Kats and, and I'm going to pretend like there's a bunch of kids that are going to come to the door, but they never do. I mean, we get like 10 trick or treaters, but I'm going to buy enough for like 50, if you know you what should. I mean. Yeah. And then you and Cheryl just house it afterwards. <laughs> if it doesn't go to all the kids, right. You just take it to the face. Well, well, and the funny thing is the bad news is, is if it's not gone out of the bowl the next day, what I've learned over the last few years is that Cheryl takes it to work to share with the people that she works with. So I got to hide this stuff. Yeah. I got to, it becomes contraband. Then she's That's like, right. what, what why are your teeth all? I got no idea. <laughs> you got a lot of drawers down there in the basement, don't you? That's just right. throw some in there. You'll be good. Absolutely. <laughs> It'll be, that's our secret too, man. So, so we can hold something over each other now. That's there you it. Go. Yeah. And if people that, want to get a hold of you, by the way, we'll have a yeah. link to your Twitter accounts. People can say hi to you on Twitter. I'll also have a link to the show on our show notes at Stacking Benjamins. But what about the practice? If people want to talk to you one-on-one, -on -one, how do they do that? Financialsymmetry.com. On the Halloween theme, it's not financialcemetery.com, which <laughs> up. One, one client actually thought it was at one point in time. We don't, this is not where your money goes to die, right? Yeah, that's, that, that'd be a bad tagline. That would be. Yeah, no. that's so it's financialcemetery.com. We're there. We, we write weekly, and then that's where the podcast is. We're on iTunes. So, Well, thanks for hanging out, man. Absolutely. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Joe. you candy-eating junkies. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and what's great about working in this particular basement is when Halloween comes, you don't have to do any decorating. Half the light bulbs don't work, and you can't move five feet without a spider web in your face, so I guess we're all set for the Halloween party, eh? Let's get this particular party started, though, with a topic on all our minds this time of year. A topic that divides families big and small. Yes, I'm talking about that delicious Halloween treat, candy corn. If you don't love candy corn, I'm not sure what you're doing listening to this show because that stuff is brilliant. Who was the genius who said, you know, there's corn, but if this stuff were made out of some kind of sugary goodness, it'd be so much better. That person was a genius. Now, if someone could just inform Joe's mom of that and tell her that it doesn't matter what our dentist, Dr. Patterson, says, you'll become my new BFF. But that brings us to today's trivia question. 
If you want to know just how many candy corn lovers are out there, how many pounds of that yellow and orange goodness are sold each year? I'll be back with the answer after I go beg one more time for Joe's mom to see the light and buy some. Hey, stackers, it's time in the show for us to help you solve your money problems. First of all, if you're somebody with a bunch of credit card debt, you've got to change that behavior. Let's work on changing it. The first thing we have to do is get open. And we asked Nick Clement, the CEO of Magnify Money, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money to reach them. Why people don't talk about their credit card debt. I know. I wish we would. If, you know, if you remember when you're in school and you look left and you look right, and one of these people will. <laughs> well, one of these people will have credit card debt and, and, it, and it probably will be you at some point in your life. And because we don't talk about it, because we're so ashamed, we're so embarrassed, what we end up doing is nothing. We stay put. We don't come up with a plan to get out of it. We don't negotiate better deals and refinance. And so it just becomes this, this horrible, quiet problem that, that, that can make someone feel awful. You shouldn't be ashamed. Almost you know, one out of two people have it. Speak up. And only when you talk about it and deal with it can you get out of the problem. So, of course, we don't talk about it. But you know what? If you don't hold yourself accountable, you'll get nowhere. Then once you decide that it's time to make things better, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money for not just better credit card options with 0% interest rates to help surf your debt to lower rate, but also for better savings accounts and checking accounts. And if the change you're trying to create in your life is to buy a new home and you've got a high credit score, guess where you should go? Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SoFi. That's S-O-F-I. And as we've talked about before, you go to SoFi because of their incredibly low rates and their easy system of getting approved for loans. You'll know in most cases within 10 minutes. But we asked Dan Macklin exactly what types of loans they have on mortgages. SoFi offers a, a 30-year fixed and a 15-year fixed and a, a 7-1 adjustable rate mortgage. The, the key difference with our mortgages is we require as little as 10% down payment on those mortgages. So you may only have 10% of the purchase price and that, that can be good enough for SoFi. And importantly, we don't charge any mortgage insurance. So for many people who haven't yet saved up a huge down payment, we're a great option. Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SoFi, S-O-F-I. When your change in your life is either a new house, refinancing student loans, or taking out a personal loan to get rid of debt. It's Joe's mom's neighbor, Duggan. I think our dentist, Dr. Patterson, must have something on Joe's mom. She's adamant that all that sugar and candy corn is going to be bad for our teeth. Teeth? Isn't that how he makes his money? Replacing teeth? Why is that guy working against his paycheck? He'd make a killing if we all indulged just a little, and we'd also finally have some fun down here in the basement. But I digress. You're looking for a trivia answer, and I'm here to provide it. Here was the question. Before the break, I asked, how many pounds of candy corn are sold each year? According to the National Confectioners Association, an estimated 20 million pounds of candy corn are sold each year. 20 million pounds and zero to the basement. That's a crime. It's time for me to go share this awesome fact with a good dentist, Dr. Patterson, down the street. See ya. That was closer than I thought you were going to be. <laughs> Me too. 
you said 40 million pounds. It was 20 million pounds, but still you and I were doing a high five there. Like, wow, closer than we thought. Thanks to Chad Smith for coming down to the basement. Financial horror stories are always a lot of fun, OG. Well, they're fun for us to talk about, not fun to live through. Love financial horror stories. Yes, nice. Financial horror stories. Hey, let's uh, fire up the hotline. <laughs> it is time for the OG has reconfigured his practice finally so that he can actually work with people on a one-on-one basis hotline. Since this is the last episode, OG, where we don't have a sponsor. Okay. Get it while it's hot, I guess. For this, there it is. So uh, if you want some of that, <laughs> want some of this. You'd like to be a client. Oh, is that's what he means to say. That might be, that might be a better way to phrase it. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash O-G, the letters O and G. And to be on the voicemail line, it's uh, StackyBenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And today's voicemail comes to us from our new friend, Richie. Say hello, Richie. Let me start by saying Stacking Benjamins is the most awesome trivia podcast on the internet. I wonder how much Doug paid him to say that. Obviously, this is a joke on us. <laughs> Let's see. Doug, you do a great job. I learn something from you every time I listen. And it's really nice of you to give those um, guys, uh, Jack and OJ, a chance to talk. <laughs> um, my question is for them. I've got an HSA at work. My company contributes to it every paycheck. But I really hate the HSA provider. They have high fees. They're really difficult to work with. Their website is terrible. I'd like to open my own HSA and contribute to it separately up to the maximum. My question is, can I do that? Can I have two HSAs? And can I transfer from one to another? Thanks. And keep up the good work, Doug. <laughs> hey, Richie, please do not build Doug's ego. Please do not. That guy barely fits down here in the basement anyway. I'm talking about the size of his head, not the... Not the size of Doug in general. Doug has a terribly big ego, which is funny coming from me. <laughs> it is like, <laughs> for you to say anybody's got a big ego, it's like just a, like, it's almost like a mea culpa. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a source of pride that you've got the number one ego in the basement. But no, you, I don't. you see Doug, you're like, I'm not worthy. Yeah, not yeah. worthy at all. All right. So this is a little different question though, that Richie has OG about HSAs than Alex's question last week. A little nuanced. So his question is, he doesn't like the HSA provider, right? Like the yes. the company that's ha holding the HSA. And, and his question is, can I have my own? And the answer is, yeah, you can have your own, but it might not be the greatest thing to have your own, which is to say your employer may not want to contribute to a plan that's not the one that they've established. You know, from a record-keeping standpoint, it may, it may be just too difficult for them to have you know, a hundred different HSA plans that they're contributing to. So they may limit your contributions there, but there's nothing to say that you have to have your contributions go in there. Um, uh, you could always take the company's money and put it in their plan and your money and put it in your own plan. But again, then you run into claims paying issues and it seems like an extra kind of pain in the butt. Yeah. Um, going outside. In fact, I'm at a Kiplinger.com article, OG, which I can uh, link to here in the show notes. It's FAQs about health savings accounts. And it says uh, very 
well, it says what you're saying, but uh, but I like this. It says employers offering Fidelity HSAs contribute an average of $860 a year to employees' accounts, but you have to put money in there too. So if you're not using that account, you're giving away $860 of your company's money. Right. So, Which is the whole purpose of having an HSA is that you're getting extra money. Yeah. So doing some uh, math there too, Richie, I think is going to be a good idea. That's a tough question because, you know, sometimes companies, you know, they, they love a certain company for reasons that have nothing to do with the effectiveness of the product, right? Maybe they're golfing buddies or maybe they're, you know what I mean? The owner of the company mm-hmm. just likes the dude or maybe they do personal business with them. And uh, on a personal level, maybe the advisor is fantastic. But when it comes to offering a group plan, he doesn't have access. He or she doesn't have access to many group plans that are worth much. So that can be a struggle. Unfortunately, there's little that you can do, you know, to influence your employer behavior other than bring it to the HR person's attention and propose a solution. That's the biggest thing. You can't just say, well, this sucks. Yeah. Say, hey, this one's not as great as this one. Is there a reason why we can't consider the, you know, this other plan or this other option? Listener Mark did that recently. He's a school teacher, OG, and did that with the plan that he's in, the 403B plan. Right. You know, in a lot of school systems, they will consider new plans if you have X number of people. So he got a room at the school, put posters up, did presentations about using Vanguard's plan. And he said, still, it was a much bigger hassle than he thought it was going to be. Oh, yeah. uh, but, you know, worthwhile. I'd love to hear. I don't, I don't remember if, Mark, write me and tell me whatever became of that, because that would be interesting to see. I know when he was putting the presentation together, but it, I would love to see if it actually went through or if it's still in a holding tank. Haven't heard much about that in a long time. But if it's a horrible plan, Maybe well, well worth it. It's definitely worth approaching HR about it or the business owner about it, especially if you come with a solution. Yeah, absolutely. And you're not just a pain. Thanks for the note, Richie. If you've got a question, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And if you would like to schedule an appointment with the OG for your personal financial planning, that's stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG, the letters O-N-G. Hey, we also get letters from people. Let's go to the mailbag. And our next letter comes to us from Russell. Russell's got a great question for us. It says, Joan OG, is trading Forex worth it? Can a credible system be learned? Where can I find such a system? The rest of my financial life is in order and and now becoming painfully boring. We're debt-free, maxing out IRAs, no 401ks available. We have a brokerage for extra, quote, buy and hold stocks and indexed ETFs. We just bought a rental home that cash flows well and would buy more if not for the high cost of entry. And I started a small consulting business, but alas, I'm still bored and looking for a way to hone my financial skills. I'm turning 31 this year. Perhaps I just need a good therapist. Love the show, Russell. Russell, thanks for the question. And uh, great. I mean, it's, it's fantastic that he's bored and he's looking for new avenues. Uh, what do you think about trading the... Well, first of all, for people who don't know what the Forex is, what's the Forex exchange? Currency exchange. Yeah. Currency. I'm going dollars to yen, dollars mm-hmm. to pounds. Yep. Dollars to euros. Yeah. Back and forth and all the, over, the, uh, over and again. <laughs> no, it's a terrible idea. I wouldn't do that in a million years. You should be so lucky that your financial life is so boring. Quit your belly aching and save more money. 
if I was going to play and learn something before I learned Forex, which for me is a lot of gambling, and I know we're going to get letters from people OG saying, I make good money trading Forex and it's an easy system to learn and you can no. blah, 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 blah. No, no, you don't. I don't believe it. I'll tell you what I would do first. If I'm going to set up a play account on the side, I would definitely learn more about options and about how options work because I think that options can make you a little more money but it's time intensive, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it is definitely time intensive and it's honing a skill. And I believe there's money to be made there, but it takes so much time and energy that for some people, the vast majority of people, just not worth it to enter that. So if I'm going to enter one of those two, I'm going options over Forex any day. And I would say, if you've got so much extra time on your hands, why don't you open another consulting business and make more money so that you can let your boring old investment account continue to get deposits from you. Why don't you do what you're good at, which it sounds like is making money and let your money start doing what it's good at, which is making money. And never the two shall meet. So take your boredom and work on business. Yeah. Make your consulting business better. I bet you don't make enough money doing that yet. Man. Harder. Throwing down the smack talk there. Forex trading. <laughs> People come up with anything these days, don't they? <laughs> you know, Russell's driving down the street laughing. I hope he's laughing. I mean, I was saying this a little tongue-in-cheek, obviously, yeah, absolutely. right? You know, right. don't Forex trade. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> no. Yeah. Great Halloween question. Getting OG's dander up, as mom likes to say. Oh, yeah. Getting your dander up. It's getting there. All right. Big thanks to Russell for the question. Thanks also to Richie for the question. Thanks for building Doug's ego. Richie, appreciate that. Again, mm. we definitely didn't need that today, especially since he's all sugared up with Halloween candy. Mm -hmm. Hey, coming up on Wednesday, a very special episode. Joe gets on a jet airplane, heads to the East Coast for a special edition of the financial podcasting world known as Stacking Benjamins. I'm escaping the basement on Wednesday, OG. That's going to be fun. We'll let people listen to that with a very special guest that you've heard here on the show before. We're in a very special place, which we'll get to on Wednesday. It's going to be a fun episode. And OG, that means you've got Wednesday off. How great's that? Thankfully. Yes. So you're done for the week. I'll see you back here next Monday. I'll see everybody else over on the green room on Tuesday. Uh, that's a separate podcast, behind the scenes podcast about how we make the show. If you like seeing how the sausage is made or longer interviews with past Stacking Benjamin's guests, old episodes we play on Saturday over there. So green room is for people that would just want more about the Stacking Benjamin's universe. Or we'll see you back here on Wednesday, Friday, Back here, we're going to have another phenomenal roundtable. See everybody back here, Stacking Benjamins. Bye-bye. Well, kids, what spooky facts did you learn on today's show? Well, first, you'll learn from Chad Smith that most of the spookiness in your financial life can probably be addressed just like you look for the boogeyman. Shine a light under your financial bed, so to speak, and do a little planning. You'll find that those monsters aren't as big as you originally thought, and they can then let you sleep easily at night without worrying about zombies or ghosts in your financial life. Second, if you're starting a new job, it's easy to get caught up in the new lifestyle and start spending more money. Start your new job with a good, solid plan and use any raises you get ahead of time to get ahead of the game. If your celebration comes with ongoing payments, you might have Halloween nightmare of your own in the making. 
But the big takeaway from today's show, candy corn is the shazizzle. Truly, get on that train by doing yourself a favor and having a few of those little doses of goodness today. While your stomach might complain, your sugar high will thank me about 50 times over the next 30 minutes. Trust me, I use candy corn just to get through this taping. Special thanks to certified financial planner Chad Smith for joining us on today's show. You can find out more about Financial Symmetry and the Financial Symmetry podcast on our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC. The show is created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Special thanks to our local dentist, Dr. Patterson, for agreeing to see me this afternoon. It appears I might have a cavity. Not that it has anything to do with candy corn, though. Have you ever seen the Jimmy Kimmel Halloween piece no. about eating all their kids' Halloween candy? Uh, oh, I have. Yes. Yeah, and you know what? Let's end this with that. Uh, I'll play the audio from that hilarious video, OG, to end this segment. But before we get to that, I miss having kids at home for Halloween. I totally miss it. We used to grab the guy down the street, Dominic and I. Dominic was always busy at work. I was busy doing my own thing. He was a guy who was a super nice guy, but we weren't really friends. You know what I mean? We were friendly, but not really friends. Mm -hmm. And our kids were similar ages and we were small and wave people. But every year at Halloween, we would grab the wagon. We would put a cooler in it with beer and we would walk around the neighborhood with beer in our coffee mugs while the kids went and did their thing. And every stinking year, it was funny. Starting about three weeks before, I'd see Dominic like out in his yard as we're walking down the street or whatever. And Dominic would always say, can't wait for Halloween. Like Halloween was just our day. It was a fantastic day. And then I remember one of the, just before we moved to Texas, I'm waiting for Dom to come over with his kids. And there's a knock on the door. I'm all excited. I went and got like this special, like, you know, Oktoberfest brew of some local beer, all geeked. And here's Dom's wife at the door. I'm like, what, what are you doing? Uh, Dom had to work late tonight. I'm going trick-or-treating with you. And she was a total prude. <laughs> like, don't drink, don't smoke. What do you do? And even the fact that I was drinking beer while we were walking around kind of disgusted her. You know, huh. yeah, she was not happy, 
that I'm like, well, you know what? It's your husband and my tradition that we do this. And I'm not letting the tradition go just because he can't make it. It's our day to do this thing. So, uh, yeah, that was my last year of trick-or-treating experience. After that, it was all kind of downhill. What are you going to be doing tonight? Definitely out with kids. Yep, yeah, definitely. Uh, same thing. I don't pack the beers, but I do have a little uh, little something, something. Yeah. A little nipper or something there in the back pocket. And is there anything your kid, because my kids didn't get to keep the Kit Kats. The deal was the Kit Kats are going with dad. No. My, uh, uh, well, I have a kid that has a peanut allergy, oh, so yeah. that is all sorts of fun stuff for us to deal with. That makes it. What are they dressing up as this year? Uh, Star Wars characters, Kylo Ren and uh, Boba Fett. Oh, they go deep, huh? You're not doing the top line characters. You're, they're in it. I tried to get them to go with a ghost or a hobo because those are easy. Like the old days. But isn't that what everybody went with in the old days? I remember I went in a refrigerator box. We had this, we had just gotten a refrigerator and I was a tall kid and and I went as this robot. Do you know the Schwann's ice cream man? Yeah, sure. You you know, like the Schwann's. Greatest, greatest ice cream sandwiches. Yeah, the frozen salad. But remember, they had those huge round tubs of ice cream. That wasn't just a, there's no way that was just a gallon. That must have been like a three gallon tub. So we had a refrigerator box. I cut a hole in the top. I put one of those Schwab's round thing on the top. I took some of those big felt uh, pipe cleaners and I put pipe cleaners in the top, put tin foil around them. So they were a couple of like antenna and then uh, spray painted all silver put my arms out the sides. My mom made these uh, silver like arm wrap things and I was Henry the robot. I did the same thing. We had homemade costumes, you know, whatever you could do, whatever. I I was, uh, I was a California raisin once. (laughs) That's good. Trash is a trash bag full of newspapers all stuffed in there. My head sticking out. My sister went as a serial killer which was she had boxes of cereal all over her with knives in them mm-hmm. and then like, you know, blood run down cereal. That's cute. Yeah, yeah, that's cute. That was good. I knew a couple that went as a, you'll, you'll see this one in the store, but the plug in the socket, mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of all right. I sent Mrs. OG a whole bunch of Halloween costume ideas. I don't know that she's going to go with any of them. <laughs> she, she, she might veto them all. Yep. I was okay with it. I said, here, pick from this list. Yeah. She's like, yeah, no, no. Yeah. And those costumes aren't really, you're not wearing those out of the house. I don't care what she wears them. <laughs> Show it off. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's do For those of you that didn't hear she, this. She went with the costume that says I'm with stupid and has the arrow pointing <laughs> next to me. Painting your way. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, happy Halloween, man. You too, buddy. And uh, let's go to Jimmy Kimmel. This was last year, wasn't it? Was this last year, two years ago? Yeah. Last year. Yeah. Well, he's done it a couple of years in a row. Time now for our beloved holiday tradition. Hey, Jimmy Kimmel, I told my kids I ate all their Halloween candy. Last night we ate all your candy. Why? Because it was good. You ruined my life! Yeah, we ate it all while you were sleeping. No! Oh, man! I'm going to eat it all. I'm going to eat it all. Jimmy Kimmel said I should eat all your candy. Okay? Okay, I'm going to eat it all. Yeah, I'm going to eat it. Okay, this is for me. Uh, let's see. Jimmy Kimmel said I should eat this too. Okay. Okay, I think I'll eat it. All of it? All of it. 
every single bite. Yeah. You must have a bellyache. <laughs> I got hungry last night. Eat an apple. <laughs> Daddy and I ate all of your candy. Those aren't real drawers, buddy. Get out. We ate all the candy. We'll get some more next time. I ate all your candy. That's okay. I need to talk to me for for the rest of my life. I need to eat something else. I was hungry. Hey. Stop, buddy! Shut up! I was just joking. Okay. Still, shut up and go in the other Excuse me. There's none left. It, it's fine. It's fine. Oh, thank you. Little kids, I got something to tell you. What? <laughs> Mommy and Daddy ate all your Halloween candy last <laughs> <laughs> Some of those were unexpected. Love it. By the way, the funny thing is I did that to my kids a couple years ago. Same reaction. I can do I'll do it again this year and I'll have the same reaction. They'll, they'll be like, wait, what? They'll still freak out. Oh, they're going to freak out. I can't wait. A few of those kids, if they talk to me that way. Hey, you that, squeeze an orange, you get orange juice. It just wasn't right. Gonna, you apply pressure. You know what's inside, baby. Man. Well, you, yep. have, to, you have to tell us next week how that goes. We'll see you I'll, later. I might uh, videotape it. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, 
there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.